Friends, welcome to the Slaking Thirst podcast, where you'll find the homilies, talks, and reflections of Father Ryan Mann and Father Patrick Schultz of the Diocese of Cleveland. Slaking Thirst is all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, which is also a divine heart, seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts will meet and both thirsts will be slaked. Thanks for joining us on the journey into Christ's desire for us. The Lord be with you. And with A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. One of the scribes came to Jesus and asked him, Which is the first of all the commandments? Jesus replied, The first is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The, sec- the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You are right in saying, He is one and there is no other than he. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is worth more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered with understanding, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. So I want to turn our attention again to uh, this reading from the book of Tobit. We don't get to hear from Tobit all that often in the lectionary cycle. So uh, it's just worthwhile kind of spending a little time just reflecting on why the church has lifted up this book for us. So I want to start here. Uh, At every single Mass, uh, you are going to hear at some point, right, usually before the Eucharistic prayer and the preface, the priest is going to say the phrase referring to principalities and powers. Uh, Sometimes, depending on the preface, you'll hear the addition, uh, cherubim to and seraphim. You'll hear this invocation of these names, principalities, powers, cherubim, and seraphim, right before we launch into the Holy Holy, the Sanctus. I assume that you also know that you know what that's referring to, right? That the principalities, powers, cherubim, seraphim, all of these are referring to ranks of angels, these immensely powerful spirits who they have dominion over parts of creation and they are massively more powerful than we are. And they're far more intelligent than we are. But they're not all good. That's the problem, right? The book of Revelation describes the fall of the angels that it says, out of the, from the book of wisdom, it says, from the envy of the devil, death entered the world, and those who are in his possession experience it. That, that at the beginning, before God created the material universe, the saints and mystics tell us that God gave the angels this semblance of the plan that was to unfold. This material universe, these human creatures, most notably the Blessed Mother and the shocking truth that he would become one of them, right? The incarnation. And it was Lucifer, whose name means light bearer, who said to this plan, non serviam, I will not serve this plan. And he, along with a third of the heavenly hosts, according to the book of Revelation, fell in rebellion and went to war against the creature that God loves the most, which is us. They are at war with us. And do you know what their primary target is? What's the thing that demonic forces hate the most and have been seeking to destroy and undermine. 
You'd think maybe uh, the Bible. Get that thing out of there, right? Maybe it's the church. Let's compromise bishops and pastors and popes. Certainly that's part of their plan. The Vatican, bureaucracy, all of these things. That's not their primary target. The primary target is marriage and family. And specifically, the sexual union of husband and wife. That is what the demonic forces are aiming all of their hellish fury against. I said yesterday, uh, I think it was yesterday. (laughs) I think it was yesterday. Um, That God created marriage in the beginning to be a sign of his own Trinitarian life. Right? He made them male and female from the beginning, called the two to become one flesh, to be an earthly visible sign of the invisible hidden mystery hidden in God from before all time, that God himself is a trinity, a union and communion of life and love. So making them male and female from the beginning, giving them this call to becoming one flesh, this life-giving union, puts in creation this Trinitarian icon. But he also made marriage in the beginning to be a sign of how Christ would relate to the church, not just simply as master or Lord, but as bridegroom to bride. And that all of salvation is not enacted by a decree, but by an embrace. That to be saved is to be deeply in union and intimacy with Jesus. To receive the flow of life-giving love that comes from the heart of the bridegroom. And as the bride, the church, we open in a posture of open receptivity to receive and drink in all of that grace and mercy. But it goes even further that marriage was made from the beginning to be a sign of our eternal destiny. That in heaven, we're not just merely living in the same space as God, that we are literally brought into union with the Trinity, entering into the dance of the persons of the Trinity to be caught up in union with God. So here's the point, that sex, so far from being meaningless, is so, so unbelievably meaningful. And Satan knows it. And his demonic forces know it. And they've been seeking to insert themselves into that union to twist it, to corrupt it, to make it, to make the sign that it is into an anti-sign. That Jesus is the word and the enemy is speaking an anti-word. He's the truth. The enemy is the father of lies. That if this is the sign that's meant to speak love, the enemy wants to speak lust right there. And you see all of that playing out right here in the scripture from the book of Tobit. Right? The sad story here of Sarah who's beset by this demon named Asmodeus who on her wedding night, right, which is an occasion that's meant to be filled with love and joy and life and all of these things, life-giving love. Instead, there's death. Seven times she's been married and seven times there's death. We live, St. John Paul II said, we live in a culture of death. And nowhere is this more apparent in our culture's widespread acceptance and the mainstreaming of contraception. Contraception is the atom bomb of the culture of death. Contraception is the demon Asmodeus attacking couples at the very heart and at the very nexus of their union. Like you heard in the, I don't know if you even caught it in the opening prayer of the collect, we prayed that the church would receive the gift of the martyrs, that the church would be fertile. 
you hear those words. Why are we talking about that? Because that's what God wants. He's life-giving love. You see, God has created, right, this, from the beginning, he created this tight knot nexus, if you will, of marriage, sex, and babies. And he intended these three things to go together and in that order. And the problem is, when you insert contraception into that tight knot nexus, you end up breaking, obliterating the whole thing apart. You split the atom bomb, so to speak, and you end up redefining all three. And you end up like, well, welcome to the culture we live in. Marriage becomes a government stamp of approval on whatever intimacy you want. Sex becomes a mutual pleasure exchange. It's not procreative, but recreative. And babies become either a social accessory that you can, you know, have a right to, or they become a clump of cells that you can be disposed of. Welcome to the 21st century. Welcome to Western civilization. Welcome to the explosion. Welcome to the shrapnel of the sexual revolution. As Medeus, right, this demon, this splitting apart has been unleashed in our culture, in our marriages today, and it's wreaking havoc everywhere. Everywhere. Because it's cementing people, furthering people, encouraging people into lust rather than love. And we're only here for one purpose, to learn how to love, to give love, receive love, to become creatures who are capable of love. So how do we fight against this? Listen to how Tobias fights against it. He prays. Blessed are you, O God, of our fathers. Praise be your name forever and ever. Let the heavens and all your creation praise you forever. You made Adam and you gave him his wife Eve to be his help and support, and from these two the human race descended. You said it is not good for the man to be alone. Let us make him a partner like himself. Now, Lord, you know, listen, you know that I take this wife of mine not because of lust but for a noble purpose. Call down your mercy on me and on her and allow us to live together to a happy old age. There is a battle. There is a battle, and it's being fought over this, right? Just like uh, if you've read Lord of the Rings, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings series, just like Lord of the Rings, this epic battle, these forces of good and evil vying over this teeny little ring Right, The forces now of good and evil, of light and darkness, of heaven and hell, they are vying over the truth of our bodies, of our masculinity and femininity, of what these things mean. So we must fight, but most of all we must pray. But the most important thing is we need not worry because Mary has already promised us. She said, in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. She's got her heel on the neck of the snake. He's, he's already lost. And right before, like, death happens, that snake is just whipping its tail back and forth. We are right now in this era of the church and culture caught up in the whipping of the tail. But in the end, her immaculate heart will triumph. Amen.